to That Food and Wine Show with Nerida Conway. You're listening to That Food and Wine Show. I am Nerida Conway. I'm sitting here in one of my favourite places to eat in Melbourne, Lucy Lou, with the MD, big boss, chef extraordinaire, all things to all people, Michael Lamy. How are you, Michael? I'm really good, thank you. Now, you are the least Chinese or Asian-looking chef slash MD I have ever seen. Well, that's true. (laughs) That's true, but it's been an incredible journey for me since I've arrived in Melbourne, and... um, I think that what I've tried to do with my own development is just sort of develop my food along the way. So when I first arrived in Melbourne... And when was that? In 1995. Wow. Yeah, a long time ago. And what made you come here? Um, I got an opportunity while I was working in London. I used to work for Marco Pierre White and I met um, John and Frank Van Handel who used to be the owners, or still are, the owners of the Stokehouse. Mm -hmm. And... um, I met them in London and they sort of said that they'd like me to come and work with them. And, uh, Were you doing French food then? Yeah, yeah. yeah, cooking French food and sort of um, fine dining, high end. Yeah. And I came over to have a look at the Stokehouse and accepted the position and, and took the job as the head chef at the Stokehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, a, we had a deal in place that I would... After two years, if I could sort of fix all their problems and give the restaurant a really good identity, mm-hmm. that they would help me go into my own business. Which, oh, amazing. Yeah, so um, that's how the restaurant Circa was born. Mm. And I ended up going in there as a partner with them in 1998. Were you scared? Um, I was scared, but also I think in the unknown and excited so I just sort of did what I knew what to do which was you know cook well and run a good restaurant and okay now you've just said two things which I do need to talk about a lot of chefs are trained obviously you know they can be the most amazing chef on the planet it does not make you a businessman they're very 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 different and there are so many cases of chefs who go oh yeah I'm just going to open my own place because my boss is a jerk or whatever it might be and fail spectacularly so I mean were you was this school of hard knocks for you oh yes and no look I think that um I I quickly worked out that being a really good cook and being a really good business operator are Mm. two different skill sets so Um, um, I'm into that so I kind of educate myself in, in business and profit and loss and yeah. how to run a successful kitchen, how to run a successful restaurant and, and associated costs, i.e. wage costs, food costs, beverage costs, and how to sort of streamline the business to, to meet those, those costs. Well, just, just on that note, so... I mean, chefs are artists, there's no question. A good chef is an artist. And, I mean, your food is works... I mean, they look like works of art when they arrive and (laughs) your taste buds go, this is an art fest of the (laughs) highest order. But it's very common for chefs to, in my conversations with different chefs, where they say things like, yeah, no, I'm not going to sacrifice my deliver... what I deliver to my customers based on, you know, cost. And so it seems like often there's this real battle between keeping the costs down and letting the chefs have their creative way, and yet you seem to have nailed that. Yeah, look, I think that... um, I think like anything in life, there's a compromise. And I think that if you run a kitchen using the best, best, best ingredients of everything, 
you, it's never going to you're going to go broke it's, yeah. ne- it's never going to work so you've got to realize that most people don't know the difference between a prawn that costs $20 and a prawn that costs $4 it's at the end of the day it's still a prawn yeah and and well it's true and yeah, i think that true. it depends what you're using it for as well i mean like we we have a lot of dishes here where we use cheaper ingredients but we're not compromising our quality yeah. and i think that that's half the battle of being a really good chef yeah. like from the well it's actually half the challenge yes, you could say isn't it it is and i think that you know if you want to use you know wagyu beef and the best quality of everything mm-hmm. then it is going to be really good but mm-hmm. i grew up learning about how to cook ox cheek and make it amazing yes. and, and it was cheap and how to can use... i just say cauliflower not an overly expensive ingredient, orgasmic off the charts, your cauliflower. (laughs) Absolutely, but I think that that's what determines how good a chef the chef is by by using everyday ingredients and turning them into something wonderful. Yes, that is such a good point. And and also because we're an Asian restaurant. So sorry, take me through. How did you make the leap from French cooking to Asian? uh, Well, I think that I just realised that Melbourne was evolving into a very multicultural city mm-hmm. and I remember being in Swanston Street one day and looking around me and there was lots of multicultural individuals walking around mm. and I thought to myself I could be in Tokyo I could be in Bangkok Hong Kong, Hong Kong. Yeah. I could be anywhere yeah. and I thought maybe it's time to deliver a restaurant that sort of encapsulates that Style, and actually so. the best, the yeah. best of all the different, yeah. you know, you, you, I mean, your Cantonese fish that I had today, yeah. I grew up in Hong Kong, so I feel half Chinese. Yeah. My That Cantonese blue-eyed cod, absolutely spectacular <laughs> and just something so simple, absolutely spot on. Yeah, no, and look, mm. I think half the time as well, chefs get so caught up in their own ideals of what they want that they don't realise that people like simple food cooked well yes. and I think that you know that dish is you know steamed blue eye cod with ginger and sesame it doesn't taste like that at home when I try that's the problem <laughs> hence why we come here exactly <laughs> I think we can taste the love and also we can taste the fact we didn't have to work at home so absolutely yeah. yeah and so to be quite honest I'm looking around here now the place is pumping how many covers did you say you had today covers meaning restaurant guests um, for the day, around about 520. Like, that is next level. And that's how many days a week would you do that? Usually only on the weekends, okay. like Fridays and Saturdays. But, we're, we're, you know, yesterday we would have done 350 covers. See, three, even three and a half covers at my house makes me rock in the corner. <laughs> yeah, it's all about organisation. And also, you know, we've, we've, we've got the kitchen team to be able to facili- facilitate yeah. that. Well, look... Give me your top three picks that you personally like. Like if you were giving, if I've never been to Lucy Lou before and I come in for dinner and you were ordering three things for me, what would they be? The three must things have. At the moment. Yeah, the, the three must things have would be the kingfish sashimi. Which Agree. I, which I think you had. Um, it's on my list. Which is like kingfish that's thinly sliced and it's served with um, a Thai-style green chilli dressing and... A coconut foam, it's absolutely to die for. Yeah, and no, and it, Michael's not exaggerating, it is 
next level insane just flavour explosion in your mouth. And then we have um, a soft shell crab jam bing roll. We also had that today. It's my which favorite. is like a, a, a house made pancake with Asian herbs and crispy wonton and then some tempura soft shell crab, mm. like a spicy mayonnaise. And it's rolled up and it's absolutely delicious. It's worth coming to Melbourne, flying on the plane, where you are on the plane listening to this, but it is worth coming to Melbourne just to order that. (laughs) How do you make the pancakes so thin? We've got a pancake machine that's in our kitchen upstairs and um, we just make them. Well, we we have to. But also they're stretchy. It's just a recipe that we use. It's wonderful because my pancakes kind of crack when yeah, I close no, them. They're sort of not stretchy. A lot of research and development yeah, in bet. that one. Well, look, I my advice to you would be, unasked for any educated, of course, just open these Lucy Lou's up everywhere in the world because the whole world needs to experience your food. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> I think it's just delicious. And if you are, which you will be, uh, listening to this podcast, flying somewhere, and Melbourne is one of your destinations... Um, I honestly could not recommend Lucy Lou strongly enough. It's one of my all-time favourites. In fact, whenever I have tourists or visitors or friends coming to Melbourne and they say, oh, I'm here for a week, where should I eat? It's without fail just rolls off my tongue because I can, I can, you know, always guarantee that the staff are going to be lovely, divine, and, you know, that the food is just taste sensation. It's a really funky fit out and it's in a great spot right in. I can't never describe where this is because you've got to go down the laneway to get in. That's right. Yeah. But you know Melbourne is all about laneways. That's why <laughs> that's why you have to go down the laneway. That's why you have yes, yes, I love it. That's why we created the entrance there. Yeah, yeah it's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Very Melbourne. Um well Michael it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. It's been great. And um yes get yourself to Lucy Lou and uh Good luck for the rest of the year and we can't wait to keep an eye on what you do next. Thank you so much. <laughs> Pleasure. You're listening to that Food and Wine show. I'm Nerida Conway. For more snackable content, visit thatfoodandwineshow.com.au.